You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Coming in after the Ravens by sitting at 5-2, and two, looking to take on the second half of their schedule and earn a playoff berth. I am joined, as always, by Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Good, man. Bye weeks are always a little weird. Um, you know, Sundays are usually taken up with stress and dismay and sometimes despair, sometimes elation. And that there was none of that on Sunday. It was nice to kind of sit back and just enjoy football as a complete outsider and an outside spectator rather than, um, you know, behind the couch, which I usually watch games. So yeah, it was nice. And joining us from the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, how's it going? Yeah, I completely agree with Tim. It, it is nice. We love football, obviously. We do a show about it. The Ravens do stress us out. And it is <laughs> nice to sometimes just have a pleasant Sunday watching the games, working, not having anything eat away at me, good or bad. It was great. <laughs> nice little refresh here, middle of the season. And I am Antonio Barbera. Can't forget to uh, introduce myself on this show that so many people listen to, and oh, they may tons. not they may not know who who we are. So it's good to get the introductions in there early. So let's talk about these these game these casual Sunday games that we were able to watch. Uh, no Ravens game to recap from last week, obviously with the bye. So we're going to jump right into the AFC North, get into a little NFL recap. Then we're going to dole out some uh, some awards that, that we want to give out for the first half of the season. 
for the Ravens specifically. We're going to give out uh, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and have some spirited debates about who we uh, agree and disagree with. But let's start with the AFC North. The Browns are the latest to slip into the pit of despair that is the Patriots' defense. They're now 2-5. and five. The Steelers are playing Miami on right now, frankly, on Monday night. So many primetime games for this AFC North uh, that I can't really understand. So many Browns games, so many Steelers games. And then the Ravens will have a primetime game on Sunday. And then the Bengals... T- Tim's tried to convince me not to talk about them again I'm, on the show because they haven't won a game yet. But I'm petitioning personally, and you know I'll just back out when we when we do the AFC North section. <laughs> I am not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals unless they're playing the Ravens, or if God willing, Andy Dalton wins a game. I'm done. I'm out. Nobody cares. <laughs> like they are less relevant than Cleveland, which is saying a lot, in my opinion. Um, they might be worse than the Dolphins. I take it back. The one game I will definitely talk about is the Cincinnati <laughs> Dolphins game we talked about last week in Week 16. Other than that, completely out on the bungles. Cincinnati, the challenge is, has been laid upon you to mm-hmm. win a game so that we can talk about you on this podcast. Yeah. But let's, all right, let's get to the Browns, at least, because that's sort of the most relevant uh, team to talk about, considering that they play the Pats, and that's who the Ravens have next. Uh, I don't know how much of you guys watched that game. I watched, I think, about the first half. And it was gross. It was ugly, and the Pats are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I watched pretty much all of it. I think now the Patriots uh, have given up four touchdowns and have scored four touchdowns with their defense, um, which is incredibly terrifying. We'll get to more of them later on in the show. Uh, real quickly, the AFC North overall, I just heard this on a podcast that doesn't need pubbing here, the Bill Simmons podcast, probably <laughs> one of the biggest sports podcasts in the world. The AFC North is 9-19 and overall. <laughs> And five and fifteen outside of their division, uh, up there with the <laughs> NFC East in terms of the worst divisions in football. Thank the Lord the Ravens are five and two because the rest of this dumpster fire that is the AFC North has been atrocious. Um, and I, the one of the main points I have about this game, and I'm sure Jace has plenty because we know he loves the Cleveland Browns oh so very much. <laughs> These are the type of games where all the John Harbaugh haters need to appreciate that we have a coach like John Harbaugh, (laughs) who is decently organized, has gotten better with clock management, knows when to punt and when to go for it on fourth down, has realized that OPI and DPI isn't going to get overturned, so you might as well not challenge it anyway. Freddie Kitchens, man is one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot for the NFL nowadays. Yeah, he might be in over his head. I think, and I'm also admit I'm a little guilty of it too, because I thought the Browns would certainly be better than they are right now. But I think it is important to remember that Freddie Kitchens was not even the interim coach last year. He was the run game coordinator who got promoted into offense coordinator when Todd Haley got fired along with Hugh Jackson. And he's never been a head coach before. And I think it showed for the Browns and I think probably ultimately cost them any big hopes this season. I know we talked last week about how easy their schedule kind of is down the stretch, but now they're two and five and it's just this league's so hard to dig out of a hole that deep. Um, And I think you might've even said this last week, Tim, or maybe it was you, Antonio, but just the Browns have given us so little evidence that they can dig out of this hole, given uh, the performances by 
Baker on the field and Kitchens is play calling and they're just not getting the ball to OBJ like you probably thought they would. Um, it, it's for Browns fans, obviously for Ravens fans, not quite, not really all that disappointing, but oh, it's I think hilarious. For Browns, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious <laughs> for Browns fans. I think you have to be wholly disappointed because it seems like um, their coach might just be in over his head and that's you can't win in the NFL if that's the situation you're in. Yeah, the coaching has been a disaster, obviously. So many penalties that you tend to attribute to the lack of discipline from the coaching staff. Mayfield has frankly not been good, not even great. He hasn't been good turning the ball over way too high a rate. I, I'm going to ask this. I, I'm going to try not to get too angry as I go over this, but I want to ask your thoughts on uh, the Beckham giving Tom Brady those shoes at the end of the game <laughs> with the real goat hair. It's Think of the, where Beckham's head was during the week that was one of their <laughs> biggest games of the season against the best team in the NFL. Was he spending extra hours to study film and make sure that his route running was as good as it could be or to have a better rapport with Mayfield? Or was he thinking of the best gift to give Tom Brady publicly on the field after the game was over? Like, it's so, <laughs> it makes me so angry that a guy who was supposed to be, frankly, the most talented player on your team is instead actively concerned with essentially a publicity stunt at the end of a game that they lost and fell to 2-5. and five. It's like he's single-handedly trying to bring back the era where all the wide receivers, wide receivers were divas, I should say. <laughs> and, I mean, the guy's incredibly talented, but it's kind of fallen off. I mean, he was... He was a very good receiver on a really bad Giants team. And he was just like, he was in New York. He was the one shining star on that whole roster. So he would make the one spectacular catch. It'd go all over SportsCenter. I'm not saying the guy isn't talented. Hand up, I wanted the Ravens to draft him back when he came into the league. Um, And we kind of... He went before we made the pick. I can't remember off the top of my head who we picked instead, Uh, but he was already off the board at that point. But it was disappointing to see him not – I thought he would be a game-breaker. And and he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, but it's that type of stuff that holds him back. And, I mean, again, it's not infuriating for me because it's just purely (laughs) hilarious. It's Cleveland gonna Cleveland. We say it every single week. I feel bad for some Browns fans, not all of them, who are coming in here saying we are going to win the Super Bowl and this is it. The guy who got the Browns Super Bowl champion tattoo already just for the talk about a publicity stunt. When you're more focused about shearing the hair off a goat, putting it on some cleats and giving it to Tom Brady rather than going up against the best defense in the NFL right now, maybe outside of the 49ers, one and two, clearly. It's just it's absolutely ridiculous. And another thing I want to bring up here, you're talking about the penalties. I just looked it up. Cleveland has ha- already had their bye week. So they have one less game than a lot of other teams in the league. Seven games, 70 penalties. They're averaging 10 penalties a game. It's a lot. That's insane. That's insane. There's no, I don't care how talented you are on either side of the football. I, I don't care if you got a guy like Baker, who I'm I'm still scared of as a Ravens fan, admittedly, even though he hasn't played well this year. They beat us handily. Absolutely. <laughs> Nick Chubb, what are their great two? player. Jarvis Landry, along with Odell Beckham Jr., great players. We can talk about in the trenches, and I think that's part of the re- part of their problems, obviously, is you know the old-school mentality. You win games in the trenches. You need the offense and defensive line, and they don't really have either of those. But when you commit 10 penalties a game— 
you're it's absurd like you're never you're always putting yourself at a huge disadvantage and then i just one of my favorite moments when they go to punt on what was it fourth and six they get a false start penalty fourth and 16 and that's when freddie's like oh yeah we're gonna go for it now (laughs) they'll never get it they'll never guess it's coming now it's just it's a complete dumpster fire i'm gonna get my laughs in while i can because as the pessimistic ravens fan i still think that there's a chance that they figure this out but I don't think they figured it out with Freddie Kitchens at the helm. Yeah, and that many penalties speaks to coaching at some level because that's just there's either no repercussions for what's happening or you're not, you know, for the procedure penalties, you're not putting your your guys, be it you as an offensive play caller in position to succeed. So it, it starts at the head coach ultimately, and it's a big problem for them. I was a big fan of uh in Sunday's game, the Browns committed turnovers on three consecutive plays, which was a f- which was fun, <laughs> um, including one where Baker threw the ball right at former Raven Lawrence guy. There's the random Raven for you. Um, but uh, uh, he. Uh, yeah, and by it threw, was, the, threw it right to him, you mean just sort of like just gently tossed yeah, it to him tried from six to inches pop away. Pass, but only Lawrence guy was there. <laughs> it looked like the play was designed for Baker to throw it at a defensive player. Like, that's, that's how it was drawn up. It's, it's obscene. So, a lot of good stuff out there in Cleveland these days. So, I don't want to stay too, too long on Cleveland, but I'm going to ask you guys sort of just a one-word one response. They play the Broncos next on the road against a backup quarterback, which we'll get into. Then they play the Bills and the Steelers. If they lose the next, let's say they lose to the Broncos and the Bills, or they, they win one of those and then lose to the Steelers, is there a chance that Freddie Kitchens is fired with six weeks left in the season? I if say they fall no. To two and seven? I say no just because of how much turnover they've had at the coaching position this decade. I you can't you can't start over. It's hard, though, because clearly if you do think he's in over his head and you don't see it getting better, you have to rip the cord now. But at the same time, for a Browns fan base and franchise that has been so long in a rebuild and you finally thought, hey, we're getting out of the rebuild, that kind of is like almost, hey, we're kind of back in a mini rebuild again. And I don't know. I just don't think they'll do it, but you can never tell with the Haslam's. So. I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about the turnover. A lot of that comes from the Cleveland structure up top, and they're always quick to pull the trigger on guys because they've just been historically bad for so many years. I look at, and, and we could, we'll talk about the NFL in general in a moment, but I look at the Browns, and just because of the talent, they should be in this playoff hunt. I know that's absurd to say, but you— and I'm not saying they're a favorite to get in there or anything, but the AFC is so much worse than the NFC. They've got games against, like you said, Broncos, Bills, who I will sadly get into later in the show, Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. That's a cakewalk. There's the some wins the in there. <laughs> There's a lot of wins in there. That This team has the talent. I'm, I don't think, I think, I know you asked for a one-word answer. Apologies. <laughs> I, I think he lasts the season. But if there are a couple more of these absolutely ridiculously bad coaching displays in two, three, four more games this season, I think he's one of the first guys to go on Black Monday, the first day after the regular season ends. I just wonder if they're going to panic, knowing they have these games that they can win later in the season, that they might try to make a move now and install somebody who maybe is a little more 
uh, you know, they, they worry less about his relationship with the players, but they want a guy who can, you know, run a team, yeah. and then they'll let the wins let the wins follow later on in the season. We will see. At this point, I, I see them splitting with the Steelers, which is going to be a whole other... They play them twice yeah. still. Uh, earlier, we probably would have said the Browns could sweep that, and now looking less and less likely. I would just love to see them, if this happens, install like a disciplinarian type of coach and ha- him have to deal with Odell Beckham and Baker. And he just quits before the season's over yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, just like, this is ridiculous. I want Browns coach Mike McCarthy so bad. So bad. <laughs> All right, let's talk very briefly about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing Miami tonight. So, Tim, uh, AFC North, 9-19, probably about to go to 10-19. I was going to say, yeah, that, that stat will be dated by the time uh, <laughs> you you listen to this podcast. So apologies for that. But as we record, City 9-19, um, simply for the Steelers, I don't care if it's Mason. It is Mason Rudolph playing tonight. They need to show up. I mean, we're not going to sit here and make predictions because, again, all of that would be dated. I think it would be incredibly disappointing if this game is close in any way, shape, or form. As simple as that. Yeah, they're favored by 14, so uh, <laughs> people are expecting it to be close. But uh, I agree with you. I, I'd be stunned. They just handled... Uh, the Bengals on Monday Night Football just a few weeks ago, back on Monday Night Football again um, for reasons that remain inexplicable. Um, but yeah, I think we talked, I believe, about this last week. I still think the Steelers are the team the Ravens have to be the most concerned about, despite the Browns' talent. Just more basic. They're like the inverse problem, right? They don't have the talent, but they have the coach. And I... I, I think, Antonio, you said this last week. I would be more concerned as a Ravens fan if Ben Roethlisberger was there because I fully would expect him to lead the team out of a two and four hole or wherever they slid themselves into. But um, still concerned about the Steelers, but uh, it's their schedule is a lot a little bit harder too, as benefit of a, um, a second place schedule versus the Browns third place last year. We'll see how those two teams end up in the last two months of the season as the the schedule difficulties really flip between them two, the two, those two teams, and the Ravens. Sure. So let's move on now to the NFL as a whole. A lot of, lot of talking points this week for the NFL that we want to go over. Uh, I'll start with the first one that I jotted down, and that's Green Bay Packers going into Kansas City. Aaron Rodgers winning, uh, beating a Matt Moore-led uh, Kansas City Chiefs team that put up a bigger fight than I expected, but... Packers now 7-1, 3-0 on the road. Rodgers looks so solid, 305 yards and three touchdowns. It, it ended up being a touchdown game. Green Bay had a nice lead in the first quarter, and then that evaporated, as these things do when you're the road team with a big lead against a good team. Uh, Green Bay is terrifying. Uh, they didn't even have Devontae Adams in this game, and yet they were able to take care of business on the road against a pretty good team uh, without their star player, obviously. So any thoughts about... Uh, about the Chiefs, maybe, and, and how quickly they need Mahomes back, or just the game they were going to punt against uh, against the Packers? I think the Chiefs are okay. Um, you know, that's a matchup that we would all love to see, and obviously it's sad that Mahomes wasn't there to play, but they're, they're sitting at 5-3. and three. They're still on top of the AFC West, which Raiders 3-4, and four, Chargers 3-5, and five, Broncos 2-6. and six. I think they're fine. Um, do not bring Patrick Mahomes back until he is 100% healthy and ready to go. And the inverse of that... Not only are the Packers scary, the NFC in general, and this has been the same thing for a couple years now, is just absolutely insane. Aaron Rodgers, first of all, 
incredibly fun to watch. Jace talks about it almost every week. That throw where it looks like he's just throwing it out of bounds. He's getting hit and he just wants and he just wants to launch it into the stands. He said he saw Jimmy Graham and he saw another guy flashing behind him and the guy flashing behind him was Jamal Williams in the corner of the end zone for a beautiful catch. It was just like a it was a pinpoint throwaway. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is is feeling himself again and the, the entire NFL should be terrified. But I mean I'm so glad the Ravens are in the AFC because, at least for now, we can kind of enjoy the NFC as it as it plays out. Niners, Seahawks, Rams, uh, Packers, Vikings at six and two, Saints. That's six teams right there, and I'm not even looking at the NFC East yet. Who will have to have at least <laughs> That's one? Fine. Yeah, we'll have to have at least one playoff team. So, I mean, it, it's going to be incredibly tough um, over there in the National Football Conference, and thank God the Ravens don't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I think it speaks to the NFC's power that the Packers are 7-1, and one, and I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I think that Absolutely. is the Saints, and they got Drew Brees back yesterday, um, which is huge. Obviously, they did not lose a game without him, uh, <laughs> which behind the power of Teddy Two Gloves, but they... I, look terrifying and i just think breeze is so good in the dome if he's 40 years old now but if if they get up home if they get home field in the dome i don't see a repeat of a rams uh game happening i they their defense is so good that offense they got two backs they have one of the best wide receivers in the league uh michael thomas um kamara has been banged up that hasn't even mattered the last two weeks um they just have it all. And I, so that was, I think, for me, my biggest takeaway was Drew Brees back and the Saints, I think, are the team to beat. I Not just in the NFC, I think in the NFL. Yeah, I'll give you a couple stats there. I usually stat man Jay Sevens on these. 373 yards, three touchdowns for Drew Brees. Michael Thomas had 11 catches from, from number nine, 112 yards and a touchdown. And Latavius Murray, who went to a Pro Bowl, let's not forget, came in for Alvin Kamara, who is one of the most <clears throat> dynamic playmakers in the NFL. And 21 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. The Cardinals, you know, they're not great, obviously, sitting at 3-4 and four in the NFC West. But this team, all of that offensive power, the defense that you just talked about is terrifying, which is not something that Sean Payton and Drew Brees have always had in their back pocket. And you know what else they have in their back pocket? They're freaking pissed off. They've had two straight demoralizing playoff losses, the miracle in Minnesota, and then the pass interference against the Rams. And obviously Jace rightly ranted about all the ridiculous Saints fans (laughs) who spent their entire summer trying to burn down the NFL and Roger Goodell. But this team is mad and you can tell, and they're, they're not going to show anybody any mercy. And I would love to see, you know, maybe the first weekend or I guess the second weekend, if they get a buy, the Rams have to come into the dome again and they're going to be fired up. It's, I mean, obviously the playoffs are miles away at this point. Although they'll they'll sneak right up on us when they do come. But um, yeah, I think I think the Saints, um, another NFC team I love as well. Just going to keep rolling along. Here's the 49ers. That was a, that was a statement game. People people kind of came in and said Carolina might be legit good. Kyle Allen might be legit good. Yeah, fifty one to thirteen, <laughs> and the way they play defense and the way they run the ball. Um, the different schemes that Kyle Shanahan comes up with and some of their plays. Just go back and watch the highlights. Highly recommend, by the way, if you have ESPN+, Plus, it's only 5 bucks a month. NFL Countdown, Boomer and Tej are back. It's incredible. Chris uh, Chris Berman 
as wild as ever. Um, and I just and <laughs> I, I watched a decent amount of that game. Ended up watching those highlights again, and just some of the design runs they have are absolutely insane. And and they're just they just seem faster than everybody else. So you you got the Packers, you got the Niners. Uh, you got the Saints there too. I think the three best teams in the NFC and outside of the Pats, maybe in the entire league. And um, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a race in the NFC. I would say. Yeah, San Francisco doing it all on the ground, really yeah. offensively. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't want to say he's been a game manager because he hasn't, but it's sort of been like baby steps for him as he comes back. From, don't make mistakes from the ACL injury. Yep. You know, be careful with the ball. And then they have so much speed out of the backfield, and then they use, like you said, they use all this motion and all these really cool schemes. Uh, to get these guys open, frankly, yep. to get them on the edge, to get them through wide open holes. A lot of these highlight packages, as you've said, of, of the Niners, it just seems like these guys have just gigantic holes yeah. to run through on sure. a consistent basis. They ran for 232 rushing yards against Carolina and against a good <laughs> Panthers defense. Yeah, decent Panthers defense. Uh, they were a, a feel-good story there with Kyle Allen for a few weeks, and now this is sort of back to earth for, for him yeah, and, and the team. They were going to be a sneaky, like, oh, this team might add them into the NFC mix. Doesn't look like it anymore. And I'm going to say already one of my favorite players to watch in the entire league, who isn't a Baltimore Raven, is named Nick Bosa. Oh. He's my. Yes. God. <laughs> he is a man-child. Dominating every every left tackle that he comes up against, he had three sacks and an interception. The first player to do that since 1982. Um, already better than his brother, in my opinion. The guy is absolutely insane. He's built like a brick house, uh, and, and he's just one of those guys that I'm going to hate watching him against the Ravens. But he just terrorizes the other team for 60 minutes for every every snap he's on the field i want to watch the defensive lineman nick bosa and what he's doing yeah and they moved him around a decent bit too sure. like he yep. was, was and he's insane he he seems like he's um, f- flying to Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen in Jag- Jacksonville has had a good year, but Bosa hands down seems to be sprinting away with defensive uh, rookie of the year. Uh, and again, number two overall pick. So people had obviously high expectations of him, but uh, I agree with you, Tim. I think he's better than his brother. Uh, Going to be better than his brother. And that defensive line is just terrifying between him and DeForest Buckner on the inside. And they got uh, Eric Armstead's good. And um, they have D Ford now. They traded for D Ford, too. So it's they got just a lot. And luckily for the Ravens, they get to play them this year. So <laughs> that's some good news. We also get to play the, the 49ers, who I can't see. Uh, can't wait to see how we how we handle them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another note that I want to go over briefly. Uh, Joe Flacco. Uh, we talked about this last week, whether or not he was going to finish the, the year as the starter on this team. And it didn't take too, uh, too much longer for that news to shake out. So he uh, the Broncos lost to the Colts uh, on the road in a, just an ugly close game last uh, on Sunday. Joe Flacco said some things. Uh, wasn't happy with the play calling, <laughs> and the next hour, seemingly, he was out hurt with a bad neck, and he's going to not be starting on Sunday. So, are we pouring one out for Joe Flacco? Or yeah, this this kind of seemed like it's weird because I think his complaints were actually pretty legitimate in that game. They were completely also, valid. Completely. Uh, valid. At the same time, you're like, well, you guys had scored about. 13 points to that point was the final score of that game. 15-13, uh, yeah. So it is a little, 
kind of funny to me for 2019 Joe Flacco to be like, I need the rock. But, you know, I I do. I don't disagree with him that that was an ins- you know, third and five and you run a draw and then punt on the opponent's side of the field is crazy conservative play calling. And um, yeah, it seems like now and I know he was banged up throughout and obviously it seems like a legitimate injury, but. It, they're not. It's not even Drew Locke coming in. It's Brandon Allen, uh, Arkansas legend. I think he's also really tall. Um, so of he's got that he going for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it certainly seems like the end to, for yeah. Flacco to me. Yeah, we've we've made all the jokes, and like a lot of it's in. It's just in kind of good fun. I mean, we all have a very special place in our heart for old Joey Flacco. Here are the quotes. If you didn't hear them after the game, by the way, quote. We're a two and six football team, and it just kind of feels like we're afraid to lose the game. It's third and five at the end of the game. Who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not? Getting in field goal range isn't that tough. The only one I have to make a joke, Joe, I've watched you play for years. It is sometimes tough. I continue. You're just putting your defense in these bad situations, and I just felt like, what do we ha- what do we have to lose? Why can't we be aggress- Why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? That's kind of how I feel a lot about the game today. And you know, you can make the joke about, oh, it's nice to, finally nice to see some fire out of Joe. But honestly, for me, overall, it's just sad. Um, it seems like he's incredibly frustrated with the entire situation. This this thing at with the Broncos um, at the jump hasn't been good. It's been actually horrible, um, for lack of a better term. So I think this honestly might have been the end. And I think, you know. I said it last week after his uh, horrible display last week. Come back in a couple years. We'll put you in the ring of honor. You'll you'll always be known, at least in this circle, I know, in the pod like a Ravens circle as a Ravens legend. Um, at the moment, right now, the best Ravens quarterback of all time. Soon to be number two. Um, so <laughs> it's... It's it's just sad for me, and, and you know I wish him nothing but the best in the future. So I, I want to talk about a little bit uh, the game that led to these comments from Joe Flacco, uh, and I'm not gonna. This is not gonna be a what's bothering Jace. I'm not stealing a what's bothering Jace segment, but I do want to talk about some some mismanagement in a couple of games, and I'll start with this uh, Broncos at Colts game, and then. Chargers against the Bears. Uh, when it comes down to field goal kicking in end of game situations. So, as you guys, uh, Tim, as you mentioned, uh, the Broncos decided to punt the ball away on their own half uh, and try to protect their 13-12 to 12 lead. And uh, yours truly may or may not, may or may not have had a vested interest in the Colts <laughs> winning this game. Uh, so I'm sweating a little bit when it's 13-12. But the Colts drive the ball down the field. You know, things are going well. Uh, and they get it down to uh, the Denver 35-yard line. Actually, excuse me, the Denver 34-yard line with a minute and 29 seconds left. Uh, So, you know, at that point, you're looking at like a 51-yard field goal. And your kicker is Adam Vinatieri, who, sure, he's a legend, but missed an extra point in that game. Falling off. Missed a field goal in that game. Has struggled all season. Almost got cut in like week two. And they just decide this is the right place to be for us. Plus 50 yards. Let's just (laughs) run it into the wall a few times and set up our field goal, our unit here. I was screaming at the television to the point where somebody in the other room thought I was yelling at them, but really I just said was yelling, what are you doing at the television? <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it, I'm yelling. You know who isn't yelling is our favorite 
uh, color commentator is Dan Fouts. He has he doesn't even bring up the fact that the Colts should maybe try to get further down the field before <laughs> kicking this field goal. There's still a minute and a half left in this game. They basically just let it run all the way down to 26 seconds. Denver called a few timeouts. And then Vinatieri drills the field goal, and I take it all back. But you would think that they would try to get maybe a little bit closer to a more manageable field goal for a 45-year-old field goal kicker, 46-year-old field goal kicker. soon to be 47. <laughs> who's, who's struggled all season. So that blew my mind, but uh, I guess they won the game. Now let's go to a situation where they did not win the game. Uh, this is another team with an interesting field goal kicking uh, saga, drama, whatever you want to call it. That's the, the Chicago Bears. Uh, they were also down by a point with the ball late against the Chargers. They get it. Let's say I want to get my, uh, my, my time stamps right here. They get the ball down to the Chargers 32-yard line. There's 53 seconds left. They have a kicking situation that's been a disaster all year. Uh, maybe they should try to make the field goal as easy as possible for the new kicker who has ridiculous amount of weight on his shoulder and pressure on his shoulders. They don't. They have Trubisky <laughs> kneel the ball. Uh, Which loses a yard, by the way. Loses a yard. <laughs> they had a timeout in their pocket that they could have, you know, if anything happens that they don't like, if Trubisky gets sacked, if the run running game gets stuffed or something like that, they had a timeout that they could use. Uh, they wait until there's three seconds left on the clock. After the kneel, they try a 41-yard field goal attempt. He misses, and the Bears lose. Uh, it's so frustrating to watch this when your head coach puts this pressure on his own team. Uh, Tim, I think you have the guy, Nagy's quote after yeah. the game about his his thought process or lack thereof. Matt Nagy was going at the Chicago media in this postgame presser. Give it a watch because it's just like, you're you're listening to this guy like, why are you being snarky with these people? He's doing the whole, I just said that. Repeat what I said back to me. Like this whole stupid, stupid bit. Basically, <laughs> the quote I'm going to pull out here is is they ask him why he didn't want to, you know, maybe run the ball, get a few more extra yards for your young kicker. He didn't want to risk fumbling. Quote, zero thought of throwing the ball. Zero thought of running the ball. It's just zero thought. Zero thought. Zero thought in general. I, if I was a Bears fan this morning, I'd be calling for his head. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous to come out and say that was your thought process. When guess what? The entire fan base has been scarred by the double doink. They've all been scarred by the double doink. It's, it was the only storyline people were talking about. They weren't even talking about Trubisky in the offseason. It was who's going to kick for them. They didn't even worry about the struggling quarterback who was basically derailed this season. They thought about a kicker. And then you come out and do this? It was absolutely And you're kicking ridiculous. in Chicago. In Chicago. The legendary for the wind. The windy city. That pushes these field goals <laughs> wide left and right. <laughs> and just zero thought into trying to make the field goal easier for his team. When you're, when you're concerned on a one-play situation that your team is going to fumble... Don't coach. I mean, don't play the NFL. Don't play the game if you think that in one play the guy's going to fumble. So time to and settle. Eddie Pinheiro had already missed a much shorter field goal in this game. He missed a 33-yarder earlier in the game. And so Nagy was like, God, we got him right where we want him, 41 yards. The double doink, we should say, was an even longer field goal, which was a somewhat similar situation where they probably could have tried to get an extra few yards and didn't and missed. Um so it seems to have infected his brain. Matt Nagy uh, won, the, which I did not remember until reading stuff yesterday, won the NFL's Coach of the Year award last year. But 
this was a disastrous decision by him. I, you waste like forty. You kneel it out when you could gain. Like yeah, I guess it, it, at its simplest form, he's correct that they could have fumbled if they ran the ball. But I've literally watched Philip Rivers fumble a ball when he tried to kneel to set up a field goal before. That happened. I watched it. I was when we were in college. I watched a game where the the Chargers lost because Phil Rivers bobbled a snap when he tried to kneel. And they fumbled. It, disaster can happen anytime. You have nearly a full minute in the NFL with a timeout. You got to get more yards. Uh, a 41 yarder. Yes, Eddie Pinheiro still should have made that kick. But it's allowed to you're allowed to try to get closer. <laughs> also, and, That is within the rules. It's not yeah, illegal. And, you can and do so that. I, I I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't see how you can blame anyone but Matt Nagy for that loss yesterday. That was egregious. It's just frustrating when you see coaches overthink situations that that seem pretty simple. Some quarterbacks <laughs> have entire drives where they have one timeout in 40 seconds and they get into scoring range. This was that was left. And you didn't even try to get any closer. Anyway, he I, I got to stop because it was so frustrating to see this. Uh, the Colts, they managed to resolve their mismanagement. The Bears did not. Yep. Any other NFL uh, NFL notes that you guys want to talk about? Tim, you got some space for uh, a team that you are really a fan of. Maybe your second favorite team in the nah, NFL? No, the second is the Cowboys. Um, but I, I always, I just love Bill's Mafia. I love I love a They're fan our base. greatest fan base. <laughs> I love a fan base that lives and dies by their team, even when they haven't been good for years um, outside of the Cleveland Browns fans. Um, and a team that, you know, I've, I've mentioned multiple times, I was high on the over, and they finally showed up in a game they had to have. The Eagles beating the Bills 31-13. And I just have to say it, guys, the Bills might be frauds. They might be frauds. Let me list out the teams that they have beaten so far this season. Uh, decent record for the Bills. They've beaten the Jets. They've beaten the Giants. They've beaten the Bengals. They've beaten the Titans. And they've beaten the Miami Dolphins. And they have lost to the Eagles and the New England Patriots. Now, you say that Patriots game was close. Oh, but it was close. Remember, Tom Brady never plays well in Buffalo. And yet always seems to win. Here's another little <laughs> tidbit for you from our friend, or not our friend, I should say. would love to get him on the show. Warren Sharp, <laughs> at Sharp Football on Twitter. Give him a follow. Very much an um, advanced stats type of guy. Always provides little cool, interesting nuggets. The Bills are now 0-8 the last two years against teams with NFL average or better offenses. They allow 29 points per game and lose by an average score of 29-9. to uh, we love this Bills defense early in the year. We thought maybe, hey, they're not going to challenge the Patriots, but it would be great to see them in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. And with this AFC, they still could, maybe. I don't see it happening. They sit 5-2 and two now. Um, still some cake left because, again, they're going to get they're, they're gonna get the Jets again. They're going to get the Dolphins again. But, yeah, I, I, I'm very, I'm very sad. I'm sad for Joe, and I'm sad for the Bills, man. It, it's, it was kind of some sad storylines coming out of this NFL weekend, but I think the Bills might not be who we thought they were. Yeah, and I think that stat too against teams with the good offenses, because teams with good offenses are typically just good teams. Period, and it kind of seems like Josh Allen probably just doesn't have what it takes yet to, um, you know, keep up with some of these offenses and other teams, good teams they're going against. 
Um, he has made some strides, but he's still prone to overthrow. He overthrew John Brown by like 40 yards the other game. And <laughs> that's just what you're going to get with Josh Allen. Last few notes that, that we wanted to go over here. J.J. Watt uh, done for the year. Uh, that's a huge loss for that Houston team. Uh, still as high on him? Yes. Okay. <laughs> high in the sense where they still just need to win nine games. I mean, I think they've been sort of, you know, they're floating just above 500. I think that's where they're going to end up finishing the season, challenging the Colts for that uh, that AFC South, uh, probably getting a wild card. That's sort of where I see him. But J.J. Walt was kind of, yeah, I don't have the, all the advanced stats, I'll admit, but I, I don't think he was quite as dominant as he was. I don't think he is as dominant as he was you know, two, three, four seasons ago. So well, not, not the biggest, not a season ender for the, for the team, let's say. It, it's just unfortunate for Watt. This is um, actually the third season-ending injury he's had in four years. Yeah, it's rough. Um, and he, he actually made the all-pro team last year. He had 16 sacks in kind of his comeback season. He'd only played something like five or six games in the prior two years. Um, but yeah, three, now he's 30 now, three season-ending injuries in four years. Um, still slam dunk for the Hall of Fame. Um, he's three-time Defensive Player of the Year already, which is insane. Um, but we probably won't. It's just sad because J.J. Watt's a great guy and a great player, and it, it, we probably just won't see him at the level he once was, even if he... And he should be able to come back from this. It's a torn muscle. But um, still, it's, uh, it's a bummer for him just because he is such an all-time great player, but kind of the last few years just haven't really gone his way. Yeah, I'll say a couple of quick other notes, too. Um, you, covered, you covered all the bases there on a JJ. But trade deadline, uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, is today at 4 p.m. Eastern time uh, on Tuesday. Some moves that have happened. We don't have to really dive into all of them and predict what's going to happen because, again, a lot of it will be dated by the, most, uh, by the time most of you listen to this. Uh, the Patriots got Mohamed Sanu, who is going to catch a Great. bunch of cru- <laughs> crucial balls and – Probably win them a playoff game. That's annoying. Emmanuel Sanders went to the 49ers, a nice weapon for Jimmy G there. Uh, Michael Bennett went to the Cowboys. Obviously, we covered Jalen Ramsey and um, Marcus Peters. Best one, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) And then the Giants, or Kenyon Drake went to the Cardinals. And then the Giants traded for Leonard Williams, which if he's good, they're going to have to pay. And he helps them now, but they're two and six. Yeah, I don't really get that so, one. Leonard Williams is good, but... <laughs> they gave up a third and a fifth. Very weird. Um, I, we don't have to dive into it too much uh, because, again, this might be dated, but let's just a quick quick little prediction for the both of you. Does Eric DaCosta go out and get a pass rusher? Because it's been it's been rumored for a long time. It was rumored about the corner. They went and got Peters. Is, is he going to make another deal? I say no because there's no space left in the cap I mean I, I it would have to be a situation where they would have to get rid of a player on their team and at this point I don't know what section of the roster you go to that's deep sure. enough to get rid of a, <laughs> to get rid of a player yeah to make uh, the salaries work you're probably looking at someone like Hayden Hurst or someone on the like so, someone like that like and I, I completely agree with you Antonio I just don't I want them to but I just need, don't they think they need to <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, I don't think monetarily it'll work out unfortunately and I and I don't think he's gonna I don't think DaCosta's gonna make a mistake or be pressured into making a move yeah a, a drastic move you've seen the moves that he's made for the most part have been small little tweaks here and there uh at a low cost 
he won't overpay either. And correct me if I'm wrong. This, th- if they trade for somebody like this, it might have an effect on their comp- compensatory picks, which they care about a lot. Quick news too: they the the value for the CJ Mosley pick might go down if he doesn't play this season. He's been ruled out for another six weeks. So uh, CJ, get back on the field. We want that third <laughs> rounder, bud. Uh, I think this this the floor for it's a fourth rounder, so it's only moving back around. But um, that if that ties in, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. If that ties in, that's something. The cap, obviously, as well. Um, yeah. So come on, LJ Fort, keep getting pressure on the quarterback because uh, yeah, we desperately need that. <laughs> so let's move on now. Uh, we got a few minutes here for uh, another edition of What's Bothering Jace, and it we you know we previewed this a little bit with Tim. It looks like we got a seems like we got a good one this week, Jace. What's uh, what's grinding your gears this week? <sighs> The Fall Classic is going on right now, and it's called the Classic for a reason. What is, what is that? Reason. I'm a football fan. I don't know what that is. Well, that is. it's the World Series, Tim, and they call ah. it a Classic for a reason, because I'm living in the present, baby, and it's NFL season. Get this off my TV. The World Series should be played in September. I can't believe they try to play baseball and go head-to-head with NFL games. It's insane. It's such a worse sport than football. I don't know how you can watch that just game in the World Series last night where nothing happened but the Astros hitting two-run homers every four innings and then, you know, watch Aaron Rodgers. It's not even Patrick Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers slinging it around Arrowhead Stadium, Chiefs fans going crazy, him dropping dimes, 30 31-24 final, just an excellent Sunday night football game. I just don't know how, if you're baseball, you can even remotely expect or why you would even attempt to compete with that. The NFL is so much better, and they. my proposal, and I guess what's bothering me is these World Series games are such a grind, and I don't know who who is benefiting from the World Series being on directly head-to-head with an NFL game. It's no one. The NFL's way better. The Baseball's lost this culture war. It's NFL season, baby. Let's go. Get out of here, baseball. Are you telling me uh, that you'd rather watch Aaron Rodgers than uh, Joe Ross start a World <laughs> Series game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when I said, who's Joe Ross? And he's starting game five. And, you know, that that Jose Urquidy, uh Astros start the other day really uh, jazzed me up, too, rather than, uh, you know, watching uh, Alabama or uh, LSU Auburn finish up their thriller down at tiger stadium i don't know one maybe one sport's just better than the other that's that's my (laughs) i will say uh antonio and i in the dc area i live very very close to nats park Uh, my girlfriend is a massive nationals fan i have been subjected to a lot of baseball um sky if you're listening this far into the podcast (laughs) this is a good test yeah this is a really good test if you're listening this far into the podcast I'm not going to be that upset if they lose tomorrow and it just ends. <laughs> like, I've, I've been up until 12.30, 1 a.m. watching these freaking World Series games. We went to the stadium for both watch parties, game one and two. I know Antonio was there last night for game five. It's a cool spectacle, and it's cool, and I'm happy for the Nats fans. They've got this far. I think the baby shark is one of the worst traditions oh, in sports man. and should be banned <laughs> I kinda, immediately. I kind of like it. It's grown on me. It's it's it, be in the stadium because it's a joke. Um, yeah. Keep calling yourself sports fans, DC. Good job. Um, 
Yeah, it, so apologies in advance if you're listening this far in advance. But that was a lot of advance. Well, um, it's uh, just I'm 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 ready to just lock in, like you said, Jace, on football. Yeah, it's the NFL's great, and baseball. And I should say we should couch all this by saying this is a Ravens podcast, which stands to reason we are all Orioles fans. So yeah. that could definitely flavor our opinion on baseball just a minor amount. Love that Peter <laughs> Angelos. He's the best. But, um, yeah, it's uh, baseball just gets slower and more boring to me every season. And the NFL just gets more and more exciting to me, even as the NFL itself is also actively doing dumb things. But I just want to be all in on football. So the sooner the World Series wraps up, the better. And that's what's been bothering me this week. You heard it here from Jace. Football is just... And I'm going to hear it later. ...so much of a better sport than baseball. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on now uh, to a segment that we're going to do just for the bye week. Uh, We're going to give out some Ravens awards uh, individually for who we think uh, has been the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive and offensive player of the year, maybe some comeback player of the year. We're not gonna, we're not gonna structure this too much. I say we just go uh, one at a time and, and run through who we would give awards to this season. Uh, do either of you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I'll go. Um, I'm assuming that a lot of these are gonna be the same. Uh, so MVP is Lamar Jackson. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know the MVP is Lamar Jackson. That's the quarterback? Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, okay. number eight. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, the Ravens this week on their social media platforms put out a compilation video of all of his jukes this season. Highly recommend. Yeah, it is fantastic. Um, My computer's uh, fan went on while yeah. I was watching that video because <laughs> yes. it, was, it was so Family, family show, Antonio. Family show. Uh, the Rookie of the Year so far for me has got to be Hollywood Brown. Um, right now, second in the team in yards, uh, second in receptions as well, with 21, 326 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he is supposed to come back this week, which we'll get into in the game preview. Him, Owasso, and who is the third guy that I can't remember off the top Jimmy. of my head? Jimmy Smith, thank you. Uh, all supposed to be back this week, which is nice. Um Offensive player of the year, I went a little differently. If I'm giving the MVP to Lamar Jackson, I'm going to give the offensive player of the year to somebody else. And for me, it's going to be Mark Ingram. Uh, It probably would have been Mark Andrews if he just, you know, showed up in Seattle, but he didn't. Um, Mark Mark Ingram this year has been, he's 13th in the league in rushing. Lamar's 10th, which is hilarious. Uh, But I think he's really just brought like a reliability and a leadership factor to that backfield that they just didn't have last season. Um, with guys like Gus Edwards and Alex Collins, kind of with a rookie quarterback. He brings a lot of stability, and he's averaging 4.7 yards per rush. Um, Another guy that, you know, maybe I'm a little biased here, I just love watching him play. Um, He's, you know, we talk about it every week. He's always falling forward. He's always running into guys. He's always getting that extra yard. So if I can't give it to Lamar, I'm going to give it to Mark Ingram. I mean, the defensive player of the year is Marlon Humphrey so far. Uh, He has just been insane. Uh, this comes from Sarah Ellison on Twitter, who works for the Baltimore Ravens. Here's some of the stuff that he's done. It, it, week by week, some of the, the, the bigger moments he's had. Week one, interception against Miami. Week two, six tackles and a pass deflection. Week three, the forced fumble against um, uh, the Steelers. Excuse me. Week four, held Odell Beckham Jr. to two catches. Week five, the game-saving punch. Oh, that was the Steelers. Excuse me. Game-saving punch and recovery on Juju. Week six, another interception. And week seven against Seattle. The scoop and score. I mean, he's just he's just making big plays when they need to be made. Um, top three 
corner in the league for me when I when I'm trying to be unbiased. He's been absolutely incredible. And uh, the comeback player of the year for me. This one was tough. I'm going to go Earl Thomas. Uh, you know, a guy that we signed to a big deal. Um, fan favorite Eric Weddle. He was replacing him. Obviously, one of the best safeties in the league before his injury. You know, broken leg, um, which is tough to come back from. And right now, you know, we've talked about this. You don't always want your your uh, safety to lead the team in tackles. He is second right now. And the, although the secondary has struggled, I'm going to lean more into the Seattle game and hopefully with kind of the revamped secondary and guys coming back. Uh, this is might be a little bit more of a future predictor, but I think we're going to really see him come on. I think he's been decent. Um, you know, he's been he's been criticized here and there on the show, um, but I think that if I'm looking at a candidate uh, for a comeback player of the year, especially after such a gruesome injury, I think it's Earl Thomas. And so for me, MVP, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, He's, you know, in the mix for the actual MVP award, at least on the fringes of it. So kind of stands to reason, I guess he's the Ravens MVP. Um, I I actually just went with Lamar for um, Offensive Player of the Year as well, just because, as you mentioned, Tim, uh, he leads the team in rushing in addition to uh, his passing, obviously. Um, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, when Hollywood kind or just rookie of the year, Hollywood kind of by default, but he has added a nice dynamic um, when he's been in there. So it'd be nice to get him back. Um, and then defensive player of the year, same thing, Marlon Humphrey. We've talked every week about all the good plays he made usually. Um, and uh, in lieu of pretty much anyone else selected in that spot. And then for my comeback player of the year, I actually chose uh, Josh Bynes because really good uh, he was not on this team last year and or on any team until uh, the first, until uh, at least uh, three or four weeks into this season. Um, and he stepped right in, got a pick against the Steelers, um, and he started every game since uh, the Ravens uh, reacquired him. Um, the former made the game the final tackle of their Super Bowl victory those many moons ago. Um, and so it was nice to get um, Josh Bynes. Uh, he's He's been impressive to me, at, you know, kind of coming in on short notice and getting acclimated. So I gave him uh, my comeback player of the year. Some of my picks are going to are gonna be the same, so I'm not going to go over them too, too long. A lot of these I'm going to just throw out some different names just, uh, sure. just, for, just for the fun of it. Absolutely. Uh, MVP is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> no, no more. Don't need to say uh, much more than that. Uh, defensive player of the year, Marlon Humphrey, uh, making a case for, uh, for the Jersey purchase just because of his number being so cool, but, but I'm still not sure about that. We'll get to that in a second. I'm going to throw some, some different names out here, however. So offensive player of the year to mix it up, to not be Lamar Jackson, I'm going with Justin Tucker. Uh, yeah. Justin well, Tucker sad. has not missed an extra point. He has not missed a field goal all season. You hear that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Always great to say that before uh, the biggest game of the year. But <laughs> he's a guy, he's obviously he's the best kicker in the NFL. He's the most talented. He's the most consistent. And it's a thing you don't have to think about. Yeah. Look at these other coaches in the league having to overthink these situations where when you have Tucker, if the ball is within a 60-yard field goal, he's going to go out and drill it. Uh, he's had his, his signature moment this year where he essentially tied and then won the game against the Steelers. He's a better kicker in Pittsburgh than any Pittsburgh kicker has been over the last <laughs> five to seven years. So I'll throw that out there. He's my offensive player of the year so far because uh, he's been perfect, literally perfect on every kick uh, over the year and, and had a cool uh, onside kick uh, attempt that they then made illegal. I mean, if, you're, if you're changing the game... <laughs> Then you deserve some sort of award, and I'm giving him an offensive player of the year. Hard to argue. 
Yeah, I don't uh, my, have a disagreement, really. <laughs> <laughs> my comeback player of the year is going to be Pernell McPhee. And that's in half a season. I was going to say. I think he's, he's out for the season. I think for himself, he's already earned enough to, to be a comeback player. He had uh, 11 tackles and zero sacks in 13 games last year. Uh, he played seven games in 2019 and had three sacks, 19 tackles. Uh, came back to the Ravens. Was a Super Bowl winner who came back to the Ravens. Uh, was very close to not playing again in the NFL. I think there were very few teams that were going to take him, and the Ravens were such a good landing spot. And he came on the cheap uh, for a team that was pretty strapped in terms of the salary cap. So that's my comeback player of the year. You had a hell of a season, Purnell. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll see you next year, but that's that's to be to be seen. And then my last one that I think you guys are going to be angry with me, but rookie of the year, off the field. It's Eric DaCosta in his oh. first season. Really running the team uh, by himself. <laughs> he doesn't suit up on Sundays, but but he's thinking on Saturday. Uh, and he's just made some really good moves. He's been aggressive in the draft. He got a wide receiver that, A, we couldn't believe and were terrified that he wasn't going to be able to catch the ball. He seems to have gotten that, that pick right as long as he can stay. Hollywood can stay healthy. He's made these small moves that we talked about last week. He has not been afraid midseason to try to fix things. Yep. Uh, without sacrificing too much, sacrificing the future, or or overpaying for things. I think he's done a, a really good job, and it's so reassuring to know that you have these foundational pieces in place, like a head coach and a general manager, where you're not in like the Cleveland area, constantly yeah. concerned with what the team's going to do next. So he's my rookie of the year, and I'm looking forward to, to Costa making some more great decisions in the next 10 to 20 years. I really like that. I really, really like that. Going off the beaten path a little bit. And it, it's very hard to argue. Especially Hollywood hasn't played that much. You know, he's been hurt for a couple weeks. So give it to EDC. Love that. So now with the, the last point that I wanted to make in this uh, in this awards ceremony uh, for the three of us, which Ravens player is, is taking home the coveted... Uh, I'm buying their jersey because uh, it's a new it's a new squad, and all of us I think have a jersey of a player who is no longer either no longer in the NFL or no longer on the Ravens. Yeah. I, I was a Flacco guy for a long time. I had that purple number five. Uh, can't really wear that anymore. Yeah. So, so something's got to happen. Got to so wait for got... him to retire for it to be back in the throwbacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll go first since I went last uh, the last time. I think. Listen, with uh, with the cost of not having a number and not having a jersey, I think I'm just going to have to go. Uh, I'm going with Lamar Jackson. Uh, okay. I, I was a Hollywood guy there for a few weeks, but I love the number 15 on a jersey. I think it looks cool, but I have no idea how many games that guy's going to play. Yeah. Uh, it's a concern at this point, given that he's missed already a few games with sort of quiet injuries. Uh, he's so frail. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so worried for him. <laughs> wrap him in bubble wrap from Monday to Saturday, but... For the jersey, I think it's Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to be just a superstar for a really long time. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Antonio. Um, he'll be on the team for a while. It certainly seems like uh, he's hope, electric. Man. He's my favorite player to watch on the team. Um, like you, I have a Flacco jersey, uh, a white number five, and I also had a Terrell Suggs jersey. So those are the two I no longer on the team. So I think... I think it'd be Jackson. Um, I a runner up because I've also priorly had previously had a, a tight end jersey in my life. Uh, might do a Mark Andrews, and then um, yeah, th- I think that would be a close number two. But I think Lamar Jackson takes it for me. You guys make great points on these, but I went to M and T Bank Stadium just a few short weeks ago, 
And not that I'm saying this is wrong, and I love the support for him, but everybody and their brothers wearing a number eight. My jerseys growing up started with Ed Reed, had Terrell Suggs. I'm going Marlon Humphrey. I'm sticking to the defense, man. That's it's just the bread and butter. He's he's one of the best players at his position and only getting better. Um, the Ravens need to lock him up. So I'm thinking a black Marlon Humphrey jersey. We talked about it before. Antonio made the great point, which I completely agree with. 44 looks super fly. Looks That's nice. a great number. It's looks a great number. fantastic. I'm glad he switched from 29 to 44 for Earl yeah. Thomas. It just looks better. Uh, yeah, give me Marlon Humphrey all day. And uh, hopefully that will be the one I'm rocking soon. Tim, if I may make one counterpoint to that, are you concerned that Humphrey's gone after that rookie contract is up? No. Because, because <laughs> Tim just made several facial expressions at once after saying no. No, because I think he's one of those guys that the Ravens understand they have to lock up. You know, they they set values on guys and they're not afraid to let guys walk if they think it exceeds that value. I think Marlon, if he continues to play like he has been um, for the, I think his contract is due up after next season. That sounds um, right, yeah. Yeah, if he continues to play at the level that he's playing at and get better and better and better, I think the, his value in their eyes is going to be extremely high, and they're going to pay him what he deserves. It also seems like he likes being in Baltimore, too. It's always hard to gauge on Twitter and stuff. Um, he, a guy he, like that we haven't brought up yet, Matthew Judon, always tweets about getting money and wanting to get paid. Marlon, t- every Friday night, tweets, which which game in Baltimore is the best tonight? And he goes out every Friday night to a to a game. Went to my alma mater, Calvert Hall, a couple weeks ago to watch them play. Um, just I don't know. I, I, he he seems like a guy that doesn't necessarily need to have the L.A. or the New York or the you know whatever it is. I was about to say Miami, then laughed at myself. <laughs> And you don't know how much this plays into it. He is the son of a former NFL player, so he at least grew up in some means. So he might not be he might be a guy who, you know, is willing to maybe leave a slight amount on the table for uh, to stay in a situation he wants. But he is shaping up to be a top three quarterback. So if Jalen Ramsey gets paid, he'll probably get paid right along with him. But yeah. I completely agree with you. The Ravens historically have done a good job of keeping the guys um, who are the, the, you the know, cornerstones. The quarters, yeah, the cornerstone yeah. Bu- building blocks. Nada didn't leave until he was a 10-year veteran. Uh, you know, Suggs was there 16 years. Ray Lewis never left. And Ed Reed only very briefly left after he was... We, we don't talk about those, uh, those yeah. other jerseys we, that Ed Reed wore. We, we can <laughs> pr- pretend that didn't happen. So, yeah, I... It, what I, happened? <laughs> 44 for me, too, Tim. That would be... That's, that's in my top three. It would yeah. definitely be... It's a good one. A great one. So for all those listeners out there, uh, these are the jerseys that we need. These are the jerseys that we want. Oh, yeah. Just mail them in. Just send them to it. Send them to the show, uh, and we'll give Ven- you a Venmo out. at Tim Horsey, if you'd like to just send me over a dollar or two to contribute to the Marlon Humphrey jersey fund. Much appreciated. All right, so let's move on now to random Ravens. Every week, one of us picks an obscure Raven, and he gives out a couple of clues. And we see if the other two co-hosts can guess it, and we let the listener uh, try to guess it as well. So, Jace, you are up this week. What do you got for us? I'm happy with this one. I feel like, once again, he might be a little too mainstream, but here you we go. You say that. I, I, I've gotten worse and worse at this as we've gone on in the podcast. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm ever going to get another one. You're right. off your game, Tim. You're, you're really, overthinking. Really off your I game. think, I, yeah, my brain is getting worse every year, for sure. So I'm <laughs> right there with you, Tim. It's uh, encouraging. But, uh, so, our first clue 
Um, this defensive back spent one season with the Ravens in 2008. Oh, boy. He was an undrafted free agent who joined the team after three seasons with the Buffalo Bills. Starting 13 games, he had just one interception in the regular season, but he did return that for a pick six against the Cincinnati Bengals. And he did add an interception against the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs that year. Um, this player left to join defensive coordinator Rex Ryan with the New York Jets, where he then spent three seasons. And then he had one season stops with the Broncos, the Bills again, and finished his career with the Cleveland Browns in 2014. He is currently, final clue, clue five, he is currently the defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers, who he played college football for. Yes! I know it! <laughs> Thank God! I was, I was going one way, and I was, yep, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it. I have a thought. Wow. Uh, Good one, Jace. I, I, Great one. The guy I'm thinking of, I, I thought played more than one year on the Ravens, but maybe not. That was my, I had a name, and that was my Changed hitch. It. That last clue got it for me. Oh, yep. wow. Whew. Had it had it right there until the final clue there. <laughs> Almost got me. I do remember distinctly that sort of uh, wave of players who followed Rex Ryan to the Can't Jets. wait! <laughs> yeah, that guy most prominently. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll, uh, we'll have Jace reveal that player at the end of the show. Uh, this seems like a good one for the listener. Seems like some some listener may be able to, may be able to get this one, especially if... Uh, they're a big Wisconsin football fan. Yeah, or or they're going to, as soon as you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy was one of my favorites, <laughs> if I'm correct, put it that way. So let's move on now to the game preview against the undefeated New England Patriots. Oh, God. New oh, England boy. sitting at 8-0 and on the season. They just, just dismantled the Browns uh, in the rain on Sunday. Ravens have two weeks. They had two weeks, excuse me, to prepare for this one. And they're going to welcome uh, a really good defense, the best coach of all time, <laughs> and also Tom Brady into Baltimore. And also Tom Brady. <laughs> He's the third most important. Seriously, though, and this could be our first talking point. Is he the third most impressive aspect of this team right now coming into Baltimore? Yeah, well, absolutely. Which is yeah. it's crazy to, to think about. You're completely right. But I was looking at his stats because I'm with you. I feel like Tom Brady and the Patriots offense in general has not seemed that good this year. I'm like, they just don't seem like stop they move the ball it. that easily. Stop his, it. His stop career, it. Stop it. His stop career. it. What are you people doing? They're going to listen to this. In my dumb brain, they're going to listen to this. And you're, you just went, Tom Brady hasn't been that good this year. And then he's going to throw for 557 yards we're, against we're us. We're giving the Patriots bulletin board bulletin material. Bulletin board material. <laughs> well, but that was what surprised me was in looking at his stats – his, he is Tom Brady is right in line with all his career averages, but the Patriots offense is currently 16th in yards uh, in the NFL, which if that holds would be their worst finish since 2003. Now, did they go 14 and two in 2003 and win the Super Bowl? Yes, but <laughs> still, this is the worst. Patriots. That's three more losses than they have, uh, than they have now. Oh yeah, uh, this is, uh, you know, they're. The offense has not been all there, but as Antonio alluded to, this is a historically good defense. Um, so right now, the Patriots through eight games have given up 61 points um, and the 2000 Ravens have the 16 game record with 165 points. So they might 
be give up the fewest points in a 16 game season in ML in NFL history. They still have to play the Bills again. They still have to play the Dolphins again. I was going to say the 2000 Ravens defense actually had to play NFL teams <laughs> and not high school teams. So, and, you know, let's get that out and, of the way now. Well, here's some more bulletin board material. There's the caveat. <laughs> the Ravens are the best team they've played this year. And it'll be in Baltimore on two weeks rest in a blackout at home. It's interesting. <laughs> so we have Jace. He's taken a half step, uh, maybe a quarter step into it's interesting from last week saying uh, n- no way. Tim, you're maybe a half step the other direction. From oh, where you no, were last I week. always hate these games because I listen to I have people at work who are Patriots fans. I, you know, that's tough. That's just not <laughs> it's fair. not great. There's a lot of them, too. And it's oh, you guys always play us so tough. And then lose, yeah. Which thank is like you. A, a little, uh, little well, passive aggressive. Uh, there's a couple. There's a there's a couple moments. You know, the season we went five and eleven, and they were undefeated. We almost beat them. Bart Scott threw a flag, got an extra flag <laughs> on a penalty that he already he already committed. It was like thirty yards. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, look, the offense hasn't been that great, but it doesn't matter when this defense is flying around the ball. Like I said before, they've scored four touchdowns on their own. This defense. And they've given up four touchdowns total. They have had, they've scored, the team, the team in general has scored at least 30 points in six of the eight games they have played so far this year. That being said, Steelers, where they knocked out Roethlisberger, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets, Browns. It's unfair. It's unfair. Part of the reason they're always so good is in the AFC East, they play East State Tech School for the Blind, the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, and the Jets. The New York football Jets, who were one of the most irrelevant franchises in the NFL. It's, it, I can't stand that part of the Patriots where it's like, oh, look at all these games we've won, when it's just six wins every year. Six wins, six yeah. wins, six wins. Maybe they lose in Miami because they were too busy partying at South Beach the night before. Like, th- that might be the one. Um, with all that being said, yeah, I just I think at this point I despise the Patriots more than I do the Steelers. It's very, very close in terms of a fandom thing. And I just know that we're going to play them so, so close. Lamar's going to have some moments and it's going to come down. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to overturn a pass interference in, in favor of. Of the New England Patriots. Yeah. It might be Mohamed Sanu. More annoyingly, oh. it's probably going to be Julian Edelman because that guy I can't stand. Yeah. It's going to be one of those frustrating games. I'm just glad that I'm going to be watching it with friends and several beverages because <laughs> I might need them after some of the, this. This is one of those games that I, I know Antonio's fired up. He's ready. He's ready. He's giving us all the points <laughs> for the browse. Why they're right now. <laughs> Doing basic math. These here. games drive me nuts. The games against the Patriots and the Steelers every year, or when we play the Pats, I should say, it's three to three and a half hours of just clenching your fists, shaking, scratching, gnawing at something because you're just nervous the entire time. Um, some other th- some other things that we have here, too, on this Patriots defense, because I do want to get back to them, so apologies for the ramblings. Uh, 234 yards a game they're allowing, second behind the 49ers. Ranked first in defensive efficiency and points per game, second in yards per game and total QBR. And the other thing, too, um, the Ravens rushing offense is first in the league, unsurprisingly, 204 yards per game. The Pats ranked fourth in rush defense at over 85 yards a game. But remember, teams are going to have to throw the ball on them most of the time because they're going to be down. This is another one like we talk about with the Chiefs, control the clock a little bit. Maybe this is where you bring out some of your big trick plays and things like that with Lamar. 
to kind of confuse this defense. The only issue, and one of the biggest things I have, is coming back to your point about Brady being the third uh, most lethal part of this Patriots team, Belichick is number one because he's going to take away your best thing. It's why they're always or usually so good in the Super Bowls. They're good at taking away your best thing and eliminating that, and the Ravens simply cannot allow that to happen if they want to have a chance. So let me say this. What would you say is the best thing they're gonna, that he can try to take away? Because the my, run game. Let, let me, I'll add a caveat to that. A lot of the best running has been on broken down plays. It hasn't really been the up the middle, the design runs. It's been, you can't contain Lamar Jackson. So are they, is that what they're going to try to take away? They're going to put their fastest defender and spy Lamar Jackson for the rest of the, for the whole game? Oh, you're turning me. It's just, that's what You're turning me a little bit. That aspect is what you cannot account for, frankly. And that's how they beat Seattle on the road. That happened over and over again. That's my source of optimism, too, is the Patriots defense is so good, but they haven't had to deal with anyone like... Lamar Jackson to this point, they've dealt with, you know, Sam Darnold is just going to throw it right at the other team as much as he can. And Josh Allen who's Josh Allen. Uh, Lamar's been careful with the ball this year for the most part, and that should help. I mean, that's mandatory against the Tom Brady team. Um, I guess I should still say I am still afraid of Tom Brady. Uh, because what do you have to Absolutely. do to, to Tom Brady is get after him with the four man rush. And what can the Ravens not do his four man rush? <laughs> um, but uh, and even if he's not great, he's going to hit those little two or three yard slants to Julian Edelman all game. And I don't know that like if you put Humphrey on him or Sanu, but that'll be a problem for sure. If I had to guess, actually, now that I think about it, is, is Peters the guy who would match up best with him? And then Humphrey would take a guy like Sanu. You talking about so Edelman? So Peters would take Edelman. Yeah, I wonder how how those, those would match up if they're going to follow those receivers around or if they're just going to pick sides. Getting Peters, who's the boomer bus guy, on a guy like Edelman scares me. I don't <laughs> know how well, admittedly, because he hasn't played for the Ravens for that long. I don't know how well he plays in the slot. Um, we saw Marlon shadow in the slot against Juju. Then we saw him line up in the slot in the first half against Seattle and frankly have his worst performance in that first half after they made some of the adjustments it was uh, obviously better I don't know um this game maybe it's a little bit like Seattle where you don't go in with the super high expectations I want what I want the most out of this team is I just want them to show up don't get embarrassed on national fo- uh, on on national television excuse me with Al and Chris there in the booth. You know. Here's a guy that Here's just a, loves the game. You heard about this guy, Tom Brady. He's pretty good. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate that. He's a winner, Al. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the best one. I, I just want the, the, the all black. I want the fans to be there in full voice. And to to even win, win, lose, or draw, the Patriots come out of that game going, holy hell, I do not want to see them in January. And, and my honest realistic approach to this is that I'm not looking for Lamar MVP chance again. I'm not looking for any of that type of stuff, obviously looking for a win. And here's the thing. I think they can do it. If, if they rush the passer, which is something they haven't been able to do all year. (laughs) If the defense can play well enough to, to maybe create a couple turnovers 
or at least keep get Brady off the field and some some third, you know, three and outs or maybe just one first down, not these long, incredibly time consuming drives. And if the offense can move the ball, move the ball in any sort of fashion, you cannot not show up against this Patriots defense. And you know what I'm tired of hearing? I'm tired of hearing this Pats defense is better than the 2000 Ravens defense. I'm freaking tired of hearing it. So show show the nation that they are not that good. And Lamar, show them that you are. That's all. Well, I, I have one sobering stat uh, that tempers my enthusiasm for this game. Um, oh, and this is courtesy. I was, of- I was just getting like pumped up for it. I was just finally getting to that point of like, oh, man, maybe we can win this. So hit me. Um, so this is via Nate Davis, my USA Today sports colleague um, from his weekly 32 Things We Learn column. Uh, the Patriots have played every other member of the 2018 QB class to this point this season. Uh, and the numbers are hashtag not great. Um, Lamar is the final member of that group. 51 for 109, 46.8% completion, 533 yards, one TD, nine interceptions. So they have been preying on young quarterbacks this season. And I am definitely concerned that that trend could continue. I don't think Lamar turns the ball over. And as much as, uh, you know, Sam Darnold tossing uh, five giveaways there on Monday Night Football last week. But I still to Antonio, and your guys, to your points, Bill Belichick. He's the greatest defensive coach of all time for a reason. And I worry that he's going to find a way to limit Lamar's outside running. And that that'll it could turn ugly quick. I, I don't disagree with the end of your point. The beginning of your point is absolute trash because those other quarterbacks in that class are Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, who's seeing ghosts, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. If you had if you had that draft now, Lamar Jackson is picked first. He goes one. Of yeah. those list of quarterbacks. Because, no, yeah, I, I, I'm that's not as, true, but the overall point still is the young QBs, and I don't know. I'm concerned about it, to say the least. We could we could see some some of the the young mistakes, maybe a bad fumble in a bad spot, something that we saw a lot last season that we didn't see this season. But you know what? I believe in Lamar. I don't think – I'll put it this way. I don't think Lamar loses this game for the Ravens. If we're going to look at it that way. I'm going off a recency bias. I saw him in the in the game that was supposed to happen was the Seattle yep. Seahawks game. Sure. He was on the road in a difficult environment in the rain. That's the game that's supposed to the ball supposed to slip out of his hands, you know, four different times when he's scrambling or he makes a dumb throw here and there. And he had his grittiest game, not his best game, but he had his grittiest game of his career and just made play after play after play in a situation that I don't think you can coach up. I don't think you can coach your defenders into being quicker, faster, uh, and closer to being able to stop Lamar Jackson outside of the pocket. The Patriots, you know, I, I, I love them. I hate them. Hate that I love them. Love that I hate them. I hate them. I just hate them. The teams they have beaten this season have been terrible. It's been the softest schedule in the NFL. I calculated the wins earlier, and then I forgot what the number is. doesn't really matter. The Steelers have won two games. The Dolphins have yet to win a game. The Jets have won one game. Uh, the Redskins have won one game against one of those teams that has no wins. Uh, the Giants have won two games. One of their wins was against the Redskins. Uh, and then the Browns, who have also only won two games all season. I don't think the Patriots have played anybody that was going to give them a true test of how good they were, how good they are. And the one tough team, tough-ish, 
The Buffalo game, they only won by six points where the Bills had the ball late to go try to win the game and their starting quarterback was injured and out of the game. I don't think the Patriots have played anybody. Sure, they've looked great. The Ravens looked great against the Dolphins. They scored 59 points against the Dolphins, but that wasn't a true test of how good or bad the Ravens were. It was purely based on the matchup that the Patriots have basically had eight times so far this season. Uh, The big number is going to be the rushing yards. The Patriots, let's see if I can pull this up quick enough. The Ravens rush for 204 yards a game. The Patriots give up 85 yards a game. Well, like we said, something though, has to give there. Well, like we said, though, a lot of the times those teams are having to throw the ball, too. So it's they're not facing the run as much because the Patriots bring up such a big lead. I don't expect that to happen. I think we win the run game battle. I think Lamar's got to make the right throws. Mark Andrews, catch a pass, you know. <laughs> A couple, preferably. He let's, hates the rain. Yeah, let's stop with the drops, please. <laughs> um, and, and again, long, consistent, time-wasting drives. Score points on those drives and get, give your defense a chance against that offense. And I, th- I think, yeah, the, the numbers for this, this Patriots team are way overblown. And we'll see. We'll see. You're, you're slowly convincing me. Like, if we did this podcast for another hour, I might be leaning more optimistic, but I, it's just against my nature. Let me ask you, just this as a little fun, uh, fun anecdote to start the game. If you're Harbaugh and you win the coin toss, do you want the ball first to set the tone, set the tempo, try to take a lead and settle things down, or do you kick the ball away and let that crowd on a Sunday night go crazy? Yeah, the latter. I think the latter. I'm I don't the, think I would do that. I'd be t- yeah, that's I'm the one the scenario I don't like <laughs> is Brady just doing the three yard, four yard passes, the what? fifteen play drive, and you're suddenly down seven nothing. La- last uh, last week on the Monday night game, the Patriots got the ball first and held the ball for like eight to nine minutes. Were immediately up seven nothing, and then picked off Sam Darnold on like pass like play two, and that was it. that was the game pretty much. And so I, I'm with Antonio. I think you want the ball first. I think you just got to take it out of Tom Brady's hand. Fair enough. Any uh, last points on this game? We're gonna jump to to the to the lines here, and we'll start with the Ravens game. But if anybody yeah. has any other last point they want to bring up, well, just minorly, their kicker sticks, which is not something we've said about the Patriots much. So that could play a factor. Mike oh my Nugent god, if they is, miss a they miss a field goal and we win the game. Oh. I already took off the next day, so like <laughs> they're partying hard in Baltimore if that happens. Tim, uh are you going to Baltimore? I heard you may be going to Baltimore. I'm going up to Baltimore, not to the game. Uh, a good friend of mine who now lives in Boston. His fiance is a Patriots fan, so that'll be just, oh, just so fun. Oh. Um we will all be watching the game together, all my old high school friends who it'll be all of us. Ravens fans and one Patriots fan should be interesting. TBD on what we're doing, but we are going up to uh, the great city of Baltimore to celebrate. I love it. And she deserves it, frankly. The Patriots fan deserves it. Absolutely. Jace, you mentioned, I'll go first with the the pick. You mentioned the Patriots kicking situation being a disaster. The Ravens have the best kicking situation. The line for this game is uh, Patriots are three and a half point favorites. This line was six and a half. It's crazy, and has moved to three and a half. I love that half a point. I absolutely love that half a point. I think this is a field goal game. I'm picking the Ravens to win. I'm picking the Ravens to cover this game with three and a half. That's my sort of safe safe money. I love that half point. 
I'm picking the Ravens to win this game Jesus. outright. Uh, I'm a, I mean, you're, you're a more uh, positive man than I. I'm picking I want, the Ravens to lose this game and the Patriots to cover that three and a half. <laughs> I swear, I'm, I'm with Jace. Yeah, the Patriots to win and cover the three and a half. If you're right, though, you think the Seahawks win podcast was fun? Oh, boy. We're going to go for three hours on how much <laughs> yeah, fun it was be to beat record. the Patriots. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Blow all the – we're going to have – what's bothering Jace is the fact that he's still hung over from the game. I know that for sure. You know, the random Raven is going to be somebody who also beat the Patriots way back when. And it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a time. But, yeah, like I said before, I'm picking, uh, I'm picking the Patriots minus three and a half. That atmosphere – is going to be absolutely electric. It better. Uh, I wish I could get uh, get some tickets to that game. My other picks uh, for the NFL at large. Last week I did a tease with the Packers. This week I'm doing a tease with the Packers. Uh, Green Bay is currently three and a three point favorites. Excuse me uh, on the road to San Diego, which means nothing basically. So the Packers have a nice home game on the West Coast. Uh, I'm teasing that to plus three. Green Bay plus three, and I'm teasing it with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, I sw- sweated a bit on Sunday. Let's uh, play Russian roulette again. Uh, Indianapolis is a one-point favorite at Pittsburgh. Don't believe in the Steelers. I'm going to tease that to Indianapolis plus five. So put those three, two together. Green Bay plus three, Indianapolis plus five, and I'm taking that to the bank. Yeah, real quickly, uh, I completely agree with you on the Green Bay minus three. Uh, Way to the Chargers. No teases here. I'm just going Green Bay minus three straight up uh, away to the Chargers. It's going to be 99.9% Packers fans there. Green Bay West. Yeah. And I had Houston minus two away to Jacksonville, uh, but that game's in London. And those games, I never really know how those play out. Uh, I heard there was a London game last week, but we didn't talk about it because we're not talking about that team. Um, So I'm changing it to the same exact thing. Indianapolis minus one away to Pittsburgh. I know this is dated, and I know this will change. At the time of recording, the Miami Dolphins have a 14-0 lead on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Indianapolis, who is a legit good, if not streaky team, minus one favorite one point favorites give me that over the Steelers team uh every day of the week so and, those are my two there. and that'll change obviously probably Absolutely. if uh Pittsburgh loses goes on to lose this game um I'm with both of you guys on Packers minus three quote unquote at the Chargers that's insane to me that um you know that, like you said, Tim, Dignity Health Sports Park, the Thunderdome, home of the LA Galaxy, is yeah. going to be 85% Packers fans at minimum, if not 90%. They're going to take over that place. And, uh, you know, it's getting cold in Wisconsin. I was told one of my coworkers is from Wisconsin. He said uh, Southern Wisconsin, they're expecting snow. Green Bay is even north of that. So you're going to get a lot of guys flying into this uh, nice weather we've been having. Um and yeah, I don't. The, what have the Chargers done that they're only three point underdogs? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then the other game, and I can't believe I'm doing this, and I think this must change at some point during this week. The Cleveland Browns, 1.5 point underdogs at the Denver Broncos. Give me the Brownies. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't believe in Brandon Allen. Uh, you know, not that Joe Flacco is, was setting the world on fire, but. Brandon Allen was not a great quarterback in the SEC. Now he's going to be a good quarterback against like 
a talented NFL team. I don't see it. I picking the Browns. I think this kind of will begin the Browns push. Um, and so I'm going with the Browns in that spot. That is a strange line for, for an unproven quarterback. It has to change, I feel like. It makes no <laughs> sense. Well, get it in now, then. Get it in before it changes. Yep. Uh, all right, as we close out, uh, we have just the random Raven to answer. Uh, so, Jace, do you want to quickly, quickly read through those clues just one more time? Yes. This defensive back spent one season with the Ravens in 2008. He uh, Clue two, he was an undrafted free agent who joined the Ravens after three seasons with the Buffalo Bills. Uh this player started 13 games and had just one interception, though he returned that for a pick six against the Bengals and had a interception in the playoffs against the Miami Dolphins. Um, he then went on after the 2008 season to join defense coordinator Rex Ryan, who took over as head coach of the New York Jets, where he then spent three seasons and then followed that with one season stops with the Denver Broncos, the Bills again, and then finished his career with the Cleveland Browns in 2014. And clue number five, uh, this player is currently the defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers, who he played his college football for. I'm going to add a sixth clue before you go. A guy who, when he left in 2008, almost every single Ravens fan wanted to, them to re-sign outside of any of the other players who left. So, Absolute fan favorite. <laughs> I, I, I think I have this guy. I think I have it right. I really did think he played more than a season. So since I have just a, a, a like small... It. What's that? Seemed like it to me, too. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe just because of how beloved he was. Tim, you had it, I think, at Clue 2. Uh, so why no, don't you... Uh, clue I had three. A, Clue 5. The it, Wisconsin. It took me all the way to Wis- the Wisconsin. I don't know how that was the thing that triggered it, um, but then everything made sense. Number 36 in your programs, number one in your hearts, Jim Leonard. It's got to be, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Woo! Back on track. Back on track. Jim Leonard. Uh, yeah, uh, in my brain, I looked it up and just saw the one interception. And, and like in my brain, he had like seven picks and like eight forced fumbles and was the greatest player on that defense. But uh, yeah, just the one interception in the regular season. But fan favorite for sure. Personal favorite. I remember me and my dad loved uh, Jim Leonard um, back there uh, playing next to Ed Reed. Just so scrappy. Yeah, so scrappy. Yeah. And I had no idea he played for the Bills, and I had no recollection of his stops after the Jets. <laughs> but for that one season with the Ravens, he, uh, he really left an impression on people. Real quickly, we're building a pretty good Ravens roster with our <laughs> random Ravens here. So far, just to recap for everybody listening at home, Owen Daniels, BJ Sams, Marlon Brown, TJ Hushmanzada, Edwin Mulatalo, Dewan Landry, Ovi Mahaley, and Jim Leonard. And I'm definitely missing. Kerry Williams was Kerry Williams is in there. You, as you well. need a corner. <laughs> need a corner. That, that, that team could uh, that team could go nine and seven and win a wild card game. Yeah, back when you were allowed to play defense for sure. So that was the random Raven for this week. I will be taking it over next week. Uh, that was a, an excellent pick, Jace, uh, and a guy that I think all of us uh, most Ravens fans remember pretty. pretty love well. that guy. Absolutely love that guy. So that's going to do it. We have been going on and on. There must be some excitement uh, in the air for for these three uh, with this Ravens game coming up. But we're going to close out. Please follow us on Twitter at PodLikeARaven. Please email us if you want to suggest a random Raven, a a topic to go over, if you want to complain about something that we said. If you want to tell these other two guys that they need to have more faith in the Baltimore Ravens, please email at PodLikeARaven at (laughs) gmail.com. I, I gotta be the uh, the optimist of the of the 
you studio always, end of the listenership. You always are, my friend. Uh, what else, where else can they find us? Uh, at our various Twitter handles. Yeah, uh, Insta- Instagram, Instagram at Pod Like a Raven as well. Um, we've been putting up some some little clip outs of the show. Uh, if you'd like to listen to those, maybe get you into, share them with your friends. If something that they think uh, you think they would like as well, tell them to listen to the full show and our full ramblings on your favorite podcast service. Like, rate, subscribe to, you know, all that stuff helps, especially as we're just getting this thing off the ground. And spread it to all your Baltimore Ravens fans, friends. If they need, trust me, we all got pretty terrible commutes to work most of the time, except Jace, who always works from home. <laughs> so if you need something to plug plug into the car, or if you're if you're taking the train, plug into your headphones there. Um, you know, it's, it's always nice to have something to kind of block out the noise, and I think uh, we do a pretty good job of doing that. So it, it just... Please, please spread the word. Cannot wait to be back with you boys next week talking about a Ravens three-point victory over the Patriots. Four. Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I am Antonio Barbera. This was Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.